Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. in about two weeks <laughs> and my wife is on and she hasn't slept in about two weeks either so hey it's really great to see you all I just wanted to give you a little update before we jump into our message today um, I want to show you what two weeks of like not sleeping looks like for Kayla and then what it looks like for me so this is what it looks like for Kayla you know very happy holding her baby girl you know things are great you know, two weeks of no sleep, no problem. And then uh, this is what it looks like for me and Jack. Whoops. Yeah, that's what it looks like for me and Jack. Uh, a little bit uh, like we kind of lost our minds a little bit, but that's okay. So we're surviving. We're having a good time. We love having Junia as a part of our family now. And thank you for all your prayers and for all of your food and all of your uh, presence and prayers, like we just, we appreciate it all. Thank you very much uh, for being in our lives and loving us like Jesus. So thank you so much for that. As you saw, uh, hopefully on the first slide, today's message is called Fully Satisfied. And Jim, thank you so much for reading our passage today. It was a long one. Uh, Normally, I'm not gonna read something this long Uh, before we try and do a sermon about it. But the reason I chose to do a longer one is because I would love to get through John before the end of the year. And we're only six chapters in, and it's about halfway through the year. So I feel pretty good about my odds. I don't know about you. But we're going to hopefully get through most of it uh, by the end of this year. That being said, this passage all kind of runs together. John chapter 6 is just loaded with Exodus. You read this story about what Jesus is talking about, and the first thing that should come to your mind is this is about the Exodus. Like there's no two ways around it. You know, he's talking about manna in the wilderness uh, and that the Israelites ate it. They were satisfied for a little bit, but they died eventually. And Jesus is going to go on and talk about what it means that he is now the bread that came down from heaven signifying that a new exodus is going to take place. But also in John chapter 6, before I move on to the, to the main uh, avenue that we're going to go down for our, our sermon today, the other thing I wanted to point out is, and I included this on purpose, the walking on water situation that we have earlier in John 6 is also important because it's also very much an exodus type story. Jesus safely makes it through the water. He crosses the water just as the Israelites safely were able to cross through the water. So that's just another little symbol that I want you to catch and realize that this is all about the Exodus. Like John loves reflecting on that story and showing Jesus 
as doing something new with that Exodus story. So don't miss that. That's another important reason that you should read your Old Testament. I know it's awkward in many places. I know it's hard to read, but read it. And you'll start to see your New Testament reading will start to come to life all the more by doing that. So all that to say, let's move on to this idea of what it means to be fully satisfied in life. And the question I want to open with today is, what is the cost of thinking I can do life on my own? What does it cost? What's the price tag on, I can do life by myself. I am self-sufficient. Well, let me break it down a little further for you. Uh, recently, this was brought to my attention by a former professor of mine, Dr. John Weatherly, that there was this guy a few years ago who wanted to figure out what the cost of a chicken sandwich was. Now, I know we could like all go to Popeye's after this. We can't go to Chick-fil-A because it's Sunday. But we could go to Popeye's, right? And we could grab a chicken sandwich. And what does it cost? Like four or five bucks at most? Just for the sandwich, not even including a side. Well, this man decided to make a chicken sandwich on his own. His name is Andy George. This was like a viral YouTube video several years ago. And he decided to make this chicken sandwich on his own. And this is what I mean. It's not like he went to the store and bought some buns, bought some chicken and fried it. Like he dodged every part of the, pro the food supply process and he did it all on his own. Here's what I mean. He was responsible for making the bread. He was responsible for killing the chicken. He was responsible for milking a cow for like mayo and cheese. He had to like get the whole food process to go by himself. It took him about six months to make a chicken sandwich and $1,500 to make a chicken sandwich. So if you want to know what the cost of doing things on your own is, $1,500 is a good place to start. So you're going to see right away that you were not meant to do life alone. So be thankful when you go into Popeye's today or Chick-fil-A tomorrow that your chicken sandwich is not $1,500. It's not worth it either. In John 6, this is what we have going on. We learn that if we want to experience life, not death, as it was created to be, then we depend on Jesus. We don't depend on ourselves. You know, just as there's a food process for everything you go and buy in a restaurant or in the grocery store, you depend on somebody else for that. But we also depend on Jesus for life as it was created to be, not death. So Jesus, as you read, as you heard in this passage, he offends a lot of people. People are kind of angry with him. And next week, we're going to just do a very short passage from John 6 to finish it out. That'll really kind of bring this to the forefront. But he offends a lot of people in his moment. And honestly, this idea of having to depend on Jesus still offends a lot of people today. It doesn't go with our notion that we are independent, that we are self-sufficient. Like this all goes against the grain of everything we've been taught. You know, if you, if you grew up thinking, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, you can't. Not without Jesus. If you, go, if you went through life thinking that I can do life alone, 
you're wrong. You cannot do life alone. Jesus is very clear that you are never going to be satisfied without him. Period. So let's first talk about how it offended people in our passage. So in John 6, Jesus gives the crowd a lesson in interpretation, first of all. You know, these people would have known their Old Testament. Now, most of them would not have read it. They would have listened to it. But nevertheless, they still knew it because these were the stories they were told. Just as you might know a Netflix series like the back of your hand, they knew their Old Testament like the back of their hand because they heard it all the time read to them, especially the things that Moses was responsible for writing, the Exodus narrative. Jesus is going to actually say, you've been reading this wrong, though. You thought Moses gave your ancestors bread in the wilderness, but it wasn't Moses. It was God the Father who did that. God the Father did that. And this right away starts to like kind of blow their minds a little bit. Like, wait, Moses was the person that kind of led us out of captivity. He's the one that is responsible for providing for us. But Jesus is saying God the Father did because it's going to point to something that Jesus is doing. And then here's the other thing. I love this for all of my grammar loving friends out there. Jesus changes the tense in this passage. God the Father not only provided bread for the Israelites, but he provides the true lasting bread now in Jesus. So something he provided then and it's something he provides today, right now. So, you know, you look at that passage and it's like, well, was that just a mistake that God provided it and then the Israelites died? That's a good question, but that's not what's going on here. What he's showing is, and Richard Hayes is one of my favorite Bible scholars, I've probably said this a few times, but he has really illuminated what the New Testament's doing with the Old Testament. The New Testament reads backwards so we can understand the Old Testament in light of Jesus's ministry and his activity. The, this passage where Moses is responsible for being the vessel through whom bread is given to the Israelites, it prefigures what Jesus is going to do. It doesn't necessarily predict that, oh yeah, Jesus is going to come in the future, but it, it sets the stage for Jesus to come and do this in the real and final way. So that's what it's doing here. But now, Jesus is the lasting bread. Most of this passage is all about the present tense. So, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is showing us as we read the Bible, that there's a lot of present tense in your New Testament. A lot of people like to think about the future, you know, what happens after we die, how do we get to the good place and not the bad place. But Jesus, in his ministry, is very clear. I want to talk to you about right here and right now. A lot of the verbs are present tense. So you have these things going on like have and has, and what does that all mean? It's like, I'm telling you the solemn truth. The one who believes has eternal life. Anyone who eats this bread 
he has eternal life. He or she has it now. It's not something you have to wait for. So that's the biggest thing that Jesus is showing us here. And that's going to be my main point today is that this isn't just about the future. This is about right here and right now. Now, Jesus does allude to the future. He says, I will raise that person up on the last day, the person who has consumed my flesh and drank my blood. That person will be raised on the last day. But right now, if you believe in Jesus, in other words, if you partake of his body and his blood, you have eternal life right now. Eternal life starts now. John is insistent on showing us, like I said, that full life, eternal life, and satisfaction in life begins today. And if you want satisfaction in life, this is what I want to drive home. Don't wait until someone else is giving your eulogy to partake of Jesus. Don't wait until, somebody, until you're either in a casket or in an urn for someone else to be given your eulogy to partake of Jesus. Do it now. Because here's the thing, you will waste your life if you wait until you die for Jesus to actually have some meaning in your life. You will go through life completely dissatisfied if you don't do something about it now. And it's like, what do we do right now? We do this. We submit to the Lordship of Jesus. We partake in the meal that he offers us, his body and his blood. He's going to do that on the cross, and he offers that for us. And it's something that we can have right here and right now. Don't waste your life. Partake in the goodness of Jesus right now. When Jesus says that I will raise that person up on the last day, here's something else we have to consider. Our definitions of heaven and hell need to change because what Jesus is talking about here does not follow what I saw on I-74 coming from Indiana into Ohio when it says, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? Call 855-4-TRUTH. Please don't call that number. I'm begging you to not call that number because, uh, frankly, they're not telling you the truth. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but they're not. Because they'd be content with you wasting your life and just basically signing a line and saying, I would like to be in heaven when I die. Thank you very much. That's not the truth. Jesus didn't come and do his ministry, live among the poor, and serve the outcast, and serve sinners like you and me, for you to be completely dissatisfied in life right here and right now. He did it so that you could have eternal life starting now and leading into the future. Because when Jesus says, I'm going to raise that person up on the last day, here's what he means. When we die, it's not an immediate, you go to heaven and you go to hell. 
you're not going to be raised until the last day. The dead in Christ, as Paul shows us, I'm sure Laura got to talk about this during her class, the dead in Christ are asleep in a sense. They're with Christ, but that's not the end. The end is when we all wake up in the new creation. When he raises our physical bodies to new life in its fullness. And what we experience now, the eternal life that Jesus offers us now, is a foretaste of what's going to come in the future. I've heard it said many times, it's like, if you don't love Jesus now, what makes you think you're going to love him in eternal life, in the age to come? Why not submit now? And see the goodness that Jesus has to offer you right here and right now. Because I'm telling you, it's not going to change after you die. You're not magically going to be like, oh, I think I love Jesus now. He's offering you life here and now. So that you can go and give that to others as well. I know that we would love to be able to, to depend on ourselves. I know that we would be love to be able to, but we are notoriously unreliable. I can't rely on myself. Like, ask my wife. I'm terrible at keeping a calendar. That's just a small thing. Talk about the big things. How are you going to do life without Jesus? It's tragic to think about. But don't waste your life thinking that it'll be fine, I'll just die, and then I'll be in a happy place. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came and did something, and because he did something, that begins right here and right now, the minute that you want to submit. And sometimes for a lot of us, it's submitting over and over again. I don't mean like becoming a Christian over and over again. I just mean realizing that my sin is just absolutely messing with me and I need to just resubmit my brokenness to Jesus so he can continue to make me new. It all starts once and then it happens over and over again. Jesus wants you to have a fully satisfied life. He wants all of us to have that. And that's your invitation is to come into that, to live into that, and to know that God has done something in Jesus that starts right here and right now. Don't wait until you die. Don't wait until somebody else has given your eulogy. In fact, give them something to talk about, to say they lived a faithful life, period. They didn't wait until this moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you've given us in the bread of life, Jesus our Lord. I thank you that what we do on Wednesday nights is named after that, that it reflects that, that 
it lives into that truth that Jesus is the only one to satisfy. Even though we do give out bread and we do give out other food, you know, Lord, that the only reason that this works, the reason that it keeps getting funded and the reason that we keep serving people is because we know that we want people to know you. To not wait until their last moments to experience goodness, but to know that they can start right here and right now. That eternal life begins the minute we submit to you, O Lord. It doesn't have to wait. So God, I pray that we would feel that urgency to live our eternal lives right here and right now. In the name of Jesus, our Lord.